Morning, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hope everybody had a great, great week. Uh, and I know, hope some of y'all going to church today. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to pray for, so y'all go to church. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chill right here for a minute. Uh, but hey, um, a lot happened this week, and it caused me to get on the phone and call my friend Mark Lamont Hill because, man. Uh, there's just a lot going on. And y'all know I'm always talking about Florida because we in Florida. But but now I, I'm just talking about the country and everything that's going on with with this gun violence, this ma- these mass shootings. I know we've had several Pittman points about it, but it uh, doesn't seem to be getting any better, y'all. All we're doing at this point is talking about it. So I, I wanted to bring on my friend Mark Lamont Hill. Y'all know who he is, but he's a veteran professor, author, activist and a television host. And he always brings his distinctive viewpoints on, on, on a little bit of everything, but certainly on our culture, politics, race, sports, education, you name it. Uh, there's a Mark Lamont Hill uh, expertise on it, <laughs> and I'm always, I'm always happy to hear it. Uh, so, Mark, man, look, I know you're busy, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. And before we get there, man, I congratulations on the Eagles. Uh, I I don't know a bigger fan of the Eagles. I know that Will Smith pretend pretended to be a big Eagle fan, but you a real, <laughs> real Eagle fan. So congratulations! Yeah, man. I root for all the teams. That's right, man. I root for all the teams, and and today is going to be the big test. You know, we are going to find out. Uh, later, later today, whether or not we can beat those 49ers and go to the Super Bowl, I, I'm, I'm, I ever since Kaepernick was, uh, was was sort of pushed out of the league, I don't watch the games. I've been on my personal boycott, but I still, I, I still talk trash. I still follow the scores. I, I still read the news, and I still like to troll Cowboys fans and Giants <laughs> fans. Cause I, I hate them. That's born, that's born into my blood. Listen, man. One day I gotta get you. My boy Ken Fowler and my mama in a room, because uh, there's no bigger football fans for I mean that people who will fight and cut you for their teams. You with the Philadelphia Eagles, Ken Fowler with the Dallas Cowboys. Now and don't laugh. My mom with the Miami Dolphins. Now, though, even though they ain't never the, even the, in the, the, Miami in the I, they ain't I, even I, in I, the I conversation, she'll cut you. Said, they got football in Miami. I thought, I thought when Dan Marino retired, they, they got rid of that team. Hey, listen, I'm going to get the three of y'all in a room, and then I'm going to get me some jalapeno popcorn, and I'm going to pour me, I'm going to get a <laughs> bottle of Tito's, and I'm going to pour, I'm just going to pour, I'm gonna, and I'm going to instigate and let y'all go at it. <laughs> and I got a feeling, I got, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my mama. She'll cut you. <laughs> I, look. I said, I, I mess with Ken. I'm scared of your mama. She'll cut you about them dolphins now. So <laughs> I, I know it. I know it. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Thank you for coming on the show and good luck today. Good luck uh, with those 49ers. That's gonna be a it's gonna be a heck of a contest. Um, but Mark, 
you know how serious this thing is, man. As of as of late January, uh, the Gun Violence Archive, a nonprofit research group that tracks gun violence, they've reported that uh, 40 mass shootings this year already. Six of them involve four or more fatalities, including the latest incidents uh, in Half Moon Bay, California, Monterey Park, California. Uh, I mean, you, and 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 something, and there's one in Utah as well. Man, how many? What are we gonna do? How many people gotta die before some real smart people get together and come up with something to do for gun control? You know, I used to be a lot more optimistic about that. Uh, my optimism drifted away with Sandy Hook because, you know, and I hate to say it like this, but when I saw a classroom full of white, innocent, small children killed in a senseless murder, senseless act of violence, a senseless act of gun violence, I said, if America didn't have the sympathy for the vulnerable children who were innocent in the school, and frankly, for white children in a country that is well, always I, I seen thought that's where you were going value. with that. Yeah. Yeah. If we can't do it for white kids, we can't. You know, when white women get killed with guns, we, we this nation obsesses with missing white women. But even that doesn't do it. I don't know what we can do to stem the tide of murder when it affects Asian communities, when it affects black communities, when it affects any race, any group, any class. At the core here, this nation has a commitment to the status quo when it comes to guns. And what's sad about it is, it's not because we don't have the majority. Most people want gun control. Right. Most people want reasonable laws. But the people who don't have such influence and power over our politics that people are convinced that if they take a principled position on this issue, if they follow their conscience, if they follow common sense on this issue, that they won't win. And politicians always, always are going to do what's necessary to get elected or reelected. And so between the money and the power, I frankly, I, I have ideas of what the solution is, but whether we have the political will to get there, I get less optimistic every day, brother. Well, especially when you, you know, you start talking about the, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, right? And you start talking about the legislation that went through, through, through Congress and you start to wonder where any uh, whether any of it is is strong enough, and then you go to a place like California that has, you know, some of the str- strongest str- gun laws in the country, and yet, yeah. then you see at least eighteen people dead in California. I mean, I'm starting to wonder. You know, you can't legislate morality, right? <laughs> I'm just right. starting to wonder: is there? Uh, is there legislation that would act in a way that has an impact on this behavior? Well, one one thing to think about is that legislation in one state doesn't it doesn't secure us from from legislation that's problematic in another state, and so we're only as strong as our weakest gun laws. So California has strong gun laws, but Arizona is the wild wild west, and when you look at where the guns are coming from. The guns ain't getting stolen in California. The guns aren't getting made in California. Many of the guns that we see that are coming in are coming in from states like Arizona. Similarly, we could look in a place like New York that has strong gun laws. But then when you come, when you look Pennsylvania, Delaware, Jersey, and you look around and you see the flow of weapons, you see the problem is 
everybody doesn't have the same commi- legislative commitment. And so until we, as a country, sustain our commitment or prove or demonstrate our commitment to gun legislation by actually having either federal laws that sweep everywhere or state by state we get some sense, then you're going to continue to see this. And the Republicans who, or just the gun people, take, take the partisanship out of it for a minute. The people who advocate these positions know that. They know what the guns ain't coming from California, but they will point to strong gun laws in California and the violence in California as evidence that gun laws don't work when they know the opposite is true. Do you believe that the gun lobby is still as strong as it was, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, people aren't, they, they aren't voting any differently, but I've heard some people say that the politicians ought to try it because they don't believe the gun lobby is as strong as it once was. What are your thoughts on I, that? I think that's true. I think the gun lobby is not as strong as it once was, but who wants to be the one to test that? <laughs> who, who, you know, who, who, who wants to who yeah, says they say yeah. mess around and find out, right? Because yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you write, fine, right? But then you ain't gained nothing because you already got the position. But if you, if you find out that you are wrong, if you find out that, you know what, they're stronger than I thought, and you lose your job, you, nobody wants to be the test dummy. Nobody wants to test that spirit, right? So, so my answer is yes, but we need political courage. And, you know, and you, and you, you study politics, you, you, you observe this. Politicians need permission to be courageous. Mm, they do. They do. And then when they get the permission, man, they, they, they run over each other, don't they? <laughs> um, I did want to, I, I wanted to ask you, and, and listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Mark Lamont Hill. You know him from CNN, BET, it's everywhere. I mean, he's all over the place. And he's a friend of the show. So glad to have him. Um, so, Mark, you're right. They are courageous. And when when they get the permission, they run over each other to try to get to <laughs> to try to be the first one that shows how, how brave they are. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, exactly. Go ahead. No, I, I, I want to stay on that point. Yeah. You know, so so the question then becomes, how do we give them permission to be courageous? We have to win the battle of public opinion. Part of why the the NRA looks weaker than it did 20 years ago, or the gun lobby more broadly looks weaker than it did 20 years ago, is because the culture shifting. Kids don't run around playing with toy guns anymore. Right. Not like they used to. No, they play with you real know, ones. You, they play with real ones, bro. They you play, saw that yeah, little kid that, the other day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, there's no doubt about that. But I, I'm, I'm thinking also at the cultural level where at least we know that we shouldn't do that. Like, we used to That's get right. kids cap guns. You know, I grew up, we played cap guns and water guns. You, know, you can't even use a gun emoji anymore that looks like a real gun. Now they make it look like a super soaker, right? That's There's right. a way that culturally we're moving away from romanticizing guns on some level in our music and our, our film and foreign policy. We still obsess about violence and guns. I'm not trying to pretend we don't. But at least people know that there should be limits in their own mind, right? Um, and, and, and so I think it's becoming easier to say, all right, y'all, we don't want to take all your guns. We just don't want you to be able to have any gun at any time at any place. That's not an unreasonable ask. It's not. I think we're shifting that way. And so as the opinion polling shifts, as we start to see people, we see this in foreign policy. We see this in the Middle East. We see this in, with border policy, and with, particularly with the southern border. We see this uh, with courage. Uh, uh, we see this, uh, you know, 10 years ago, we saw this. We see this right now with marijuana. There's a moment where it looks like this will never fly. And then you look up and it's like, oh, wait, this does fly. People are okay with this. And suddenly you go from having uh, this won't pass bill to this bill can't miss. Now everybody's saying you should marry who you love but i'm old enough to remember and and i was 10 years ago <laughs> you know when folks was like it'll never happen i remember when people said they'll never legalize weed yeah and now 
we're, we're running over each other to That's figure out right. how we can invest in it. So, so it can happen fast, but politicians are going to be against it until they're for it. We have to create the consensus on the ground and generate the energy on the ground. That means that we got to go out there and say, look, we have a plan for gun reform. And, and we have to be clear because, look, this, this, this ain't no nation like the U.S. when it comes to guns. That's right. We love them. We worship them. We That's see right. our liberty tied to our ability to shoot them. And you see so, it manifested in how we use them, right? It, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, so we have to, we have, to have a, a balanced message. If this were Canada or France or Germany, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, I, I wouldn't have to convince people to get rid of, you know, weapons of mass destruction <laughs> for hunting. You know what I mean? But but we but we have to do that here. But that's okay. We'll get there. But we have to we have to generate the energy on the ground. We have to protest. We have to resist. We have to fight. So that's you know, again, we start talking about, you know, legislating morality, right? And and I think that's sort of where you're going, right? Because what you're saying mm-hmm. here doesn't have anything to do with what Congress can do, right? It it yeah. has something to do with the the how do you deal with public opinion and how do you shift the narrative and try to build where where the people who are really making sense is you, you have the courage to make sense. And the politicians right. are brilliant at feeling that, right? <laughs> and if they don't feel right. that, then they stay with what's going to get them reelected because that's, you know, almost mostly what it's all about for them. That's all they care about. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it will get to the legislation, but it don't start at the legislation. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. So... You mentioned uh, the mass shooting, Sandy Creek, right, with appalled us all, right? And as you said, yeah. if we we thought then if this is definitely going to be a movement, and then you just see yeah. more kids that get killed, right? Uvalde, mass shooter. Yeah. I mean, the mass shooter in Uvalde was 18 years old. The Buffalo shooter was 20 and had prior run-ins with the law, including the threat to kill his own family, right? Um, My God. He, he, he bought a a high-powered rifle and other guns legally before he even turned 21. And we talk about this Safer Communities Act, and you talk about the federal government needing to take over. I don't know enough about the act, but but would it have stopped the shooters from being able to buy those guns? That's the right question, right? And, and one of the things that you will see uh, when you... Uh, when, when you talk about gun legislation is people will say, well, um, this, this particular, this, this particular act wouldn't have, wouldn't have stopped it. And, the commu- and, and, and just to be clear, the Safer Communities Act is, is pretty sweeping. It's about mental health. It's about school safety and it's about uh, gun safety. So, so it's, it's a, it's a range of things. Right. Um, but one of the big things, one of the big provisions is around background checks for gun purchasers who are under the age uh, uh, of of twenty one, right? Yes. Um, and it says that if you uh, you can't purchase a gun if you've committed a disqualifying crime under eighteen. So, for example, in the case you're talking about, if if, if for example I do something violent at sixteen, even if, if I, I at twenty one I can't go out and just buy a gun. Whereas before you you could, right? Because what I did as a juvenile was irrelevant. But when we talk about the ability to purchase a weapon, it it it, it should matter. Right. When you talk about being able to move firearms um, illegally across states, making that a, or, or to traffic fire, illegal firearms, period, is a federal crime. It doesn't have to be state to state, even interstate, it becomes a federal crime. And so what they've a- effectively done is try to limit the amount of uh, access people have to guns they shouldn't have. There's something called a boyfriend loophole, um, which, which allows which which 
increases the regulation on people, people's ability to purchase firearms if they've been convicted of domestic assault. Um, so it's, it's one of those things um, that is important, right? Because before it was like, okay, you live with somebody and you've committed assault, you can't, buy, you can't have the weapon. But now, if I got if if I got a relationship with somebody who's abusive to me, and they live up the street down the street, now it, it widens the scope. So so they're trying to limit this stuff. Um, the the Safer Communities Act is important. It it, it it it's it's tougher and it's more wide sweeping. Will it stop this tragedy from happening or that tragedy from happening? That's tough, right? Because on the one hand, you can say, well, yeah, this particular act would have been would have stopped under the provision of the law, right? Um, but oftentimes, because the laws are so punitive and, 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 and sort of react, reactive, what it, re, it, what it really would do is create greater penalty for the person uh, who breaks the law. Go. But people there who run go. it, people who, you know what I'm saying? But people who run up and shoot up schools, they ain't worried about the penalty. We learned that with the death penalty. The murder rates aren't lower in places where people, where the states have, have the death penalty. In fact, sometimes they're higher in places where there's a death penalty. So, so we can't assume that tough laws are going to stop these crimes until we get the guns off the street, until we get the guns out of our community, until private gun owners have the sense to lock up their guns, protect them from, 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 from theft with, with safe and other, other strong provisions, not just, you know, I'm going to put it in the drawer so I can reach my gun at all times or show it off at all times. And, until we, our part as gun owners, as citizens, as, 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 as voters, as legislators, until we do all of that, we ain't getting nowhere. Yeah, and I wonder about these red, red flag laws, right? I mean, yep. the bottom line is it's a double-edged sword, right? You, <laughs> you like, want to be able, for them to be able to, to actually do something when something looks like it's headed in a direction. And then at the same time, you want everybody to have the same rights that we that we always enjoy and we don't want people to be designated because of how they look and their demographic and where they live and who they sleep with, right? I mean, it's it's all scary, right? But I go back to saying the same thing, you know, it's and that's why I'm not when I'm not as I'm not optimistic either. You started out saying you used to be more optimistic. Going full circle there, I'm not, right? Because yeah. I, because I think more of this is, yes, about the fact that we've let guns get out of control, but it started that way. The Amendment 2, uh, it was there. We we love our guns. But the bottom line is you can't legislate morality, and some of this is about morality and mental health and all these things that, that have people in this country um, feeling like they don't care about themselves, so they don't care about anybody else. And that scares me, Mark. And like I said, I, I'm not particularly optimistic either. And and, and I think that um, what you're describing, um, internal work, um, human, social, cultural, economic work, it, uh, psychological work, work of self-value, and, and, you know, self-worth, work, the worth of my community, the worth of the people whose safety I want, I'm committed to protecting. All of these things are, are what we have to nurture. Um, until we do that, we ain't getting nowhere. Yeah. That's absolutely right. So, Mark, man, I, I got one more question for you. I know we, we living under the same moon here, uh, stars and lights. And uh, we, we're, I'm going to switch gears a little bit just to talk a little bit about what's going on in Memphis. I know you've been watching it. Um, yeah. I'm baffled here. And, and I'm a little afraid of the, uh, that video. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. and uh, But I'm afraid because the... The police department, the chief came out and, and basically said, 
this is about to be some of the worst thing you've ever seen. She didn't say that, but she was managing expectations and managing reactions. What's your take on this thing, man? You know, it's interesting to see. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. You, you see, first of all, the reaction of people saying, see, this ain't even racial. This is all black cops. That's the first thing people say. A lot of folks. Um, and the point here that we have to re- remember is we didn't fight and struggle to, to, to get free so that we could get shot by black cops. Right. Integration didn't mean to get oppressed by people who look like us. The police force is the problem when it comes to these shootings. It's not the white officer. It's the blue officer. <laughs> it's the police force that has a particular disposition to a black folk. That's what we have to think about and be constantly negotiating and responding to. It's really that simple um, on that point. Um, in terms of what happens here, you know, sometimes you see uh, firing, sometimes you see administrative leave. It's interesting to see how the police force responded or to the, the administration responded to this. In some ways, it's encouraging when you look at an immediate firing. Um, but you also have to look and think about what, what, that, what, what the ultimate goal here is. What does justice look like? Um, and that's a little less clear. Yes. You know, you know, if, 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 if the world is not just or fair if police keep shooting us and they, go, and they, and they get fired for it. That's, that, that's not justice. No, you know, if I steal not. your TV and I, and I give you another TV, I've made you whole again. That's right. Black folk keep dying and police don't get arrested. They don't get charged. Most don't get fired. Most don't get anything. But even if we fire them, that ain't the end. That ain't justice. And yes, police will occasionally sacrifice one of their own, i.e. fire them or even lock them up in the case of, uh, you know, Derek Chauvin or something like that in, in Minneapolis. But what we really need is to reimagine policing. We need to, you know, the one thing they, they never want to give us is civilian, civilian review boards. They never want to give us citizen control over what police do and how police treat us or what the punishment is for police who, who, who engage in misconduct. They won't even do that, but that's a start. But ultimately we have to say, how do we, how can we work toward a world without police and policing? How can we work toward a world where these types of things can't happen and don't happen? This is gross. This is egregious. We're not going to fight and settle for body camera, more body cameras so we can videotape how they kill us. We're not going to fight for more more prosecutions so they can get arrested for killing us. We're not going to demand, uh, you know, firing so that they go, are unemployed when they kill us. We ultimately have to end up in a world where they don't kill us. Yep, yep. Well, listen, man, I've taken a lot of your time. I know, like like me, you'll be monitoring that situation. Uh, oh, for sure. and, and And by the way, the fact that they're all look like the person that they killed uh, does add a piece here that I think sends even more negative messages and so and answers more questions that the answers probably lead to more questions so I, I think we got to be paying attention to this um, so thank you man though for coming on and thank you for all you do man we you're you're one of our influencers out there that we pay attention to and we we love your intellect and we love the fairness of your thought and uh, I appreciate your friendship man and um, look Keep doing your thing and good luck today. Uh, yes, sir. I, I know you'll be sitting right there, and I'm I'm, I'm wishing you the best. <laughs> I I can't think of those Philadelphia teams without thinking of you, and that means you are a true fan. But watch out for yeah, Wilhelmina. Watch out for Wilhelmina if you're ever in Miami. All right. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Listen, Mark Mark Lamont Hill, Dr. Mark Lamont Hill. Hey, thank you, brother. Uh, Stay with us for a short Pittman point right after this, y'all. You're listening to the Sean Pittman Show. Welcome back to the show. Y'all, we got into the crux of gun violence and gun reform today. And while I know those are difficult things for us all to march in the same direction, I have a call to action today that I know we can reach together. Y'all, that's learning the lyrics to the Black National Anthem. (laughs) That's right. We got two weeks from now, y'all, Black History Month. And in 2023, I need y'all to get past the first stanza without humming. So if this is you, let us march on till victory is won. Stone the road. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, right. If that's you, I'm talking to you. I know why you're laughing, right? It's a serious thing, though, y'all. So learn the words. There's an added incentive this year. Exactly. Y'all laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. You know I'm telling the truth. That's why you're laughing. But it's a serious matter, y'all. And as an added incentive this year, Abbott Elementary star Cheryl Lee Randolph will be performing the Black National Anthem at the 57th Super Bowl. Yes, y'all. The game is February 12th, so we have a little more time to get it together. And as the old folks say, we know everything but what we need to know. So the next time you pull out your phone and put those counts together for TikTok, make sure you got Lift Every Voice and Sing down just as well. All right? Can we do that together? Because uh, here's the thing. She's at the Super Bowl. We got to be with her in spirit. We can't let Cheryl Lee Randolph down. This is the same woman, y'all, who preached self-love during her 2023 Critics' Choice Award speech. Remember this? And to all of you watching here, come close to the screen and listen. People don't have to like you. People don't have to love you. They don't even have to respect you. But when you look in the mirror, you better love what you see. You better love what you see. Thank you to the critics. And that's this week's Pittman Point. Let's show off that love we have for ourselves and our black heritage during Black History Month, which is right before us. And let's do that. Let's be prepared to do that during the Super Bowl, y'all. And you know what? Let's do it every day year round in what we do and in what we say and in what we sing. No more humming, y'all. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.